0: Good morning. Um, during the past few years, I noticed that many times when I walk into a store, I would see that um, certain items were out of stock or you would be limited from only buying one or two of those items. And I think the past few years, we've found the weirdest things to be very limited, right? Cream cheese, uh, coins, um, baby formula, and even computer chips, that's supposedly in almost everything that we do the heavy machinery and stuff like that. And, but for the common person, a lot of these things were perhaps not predicted. Of course, there may have been some who were predicted these things would be limited or out of stock. But for the common person, a lot of these things we couldn't have seen coming. And, and it's just not things that we find in the store, in your everyday store, in your grocery store, or wherever you go. But we've been able to realize that the world we live in is very and the unpredictable nature of this world is is very scary or or can be scary whether it be something global in your neighborhood just even in your personal life if something happens that we don't see coming it it throws us out of our normal cycle of life and it scares us throughout um, the formula shortage i've seen so many families looking for Formula for their babies. Um, you know, they were asking for help. We even got to a point where families were looking for other ways to feed their children. And these families would have never predicted that formula would have been so limited. And so, during that time for families, it was a very scary time because there was uncertainty about what would happen. And even even with COVID, as all of us know, everything was shut down. We didn't know what was going to happen next. The unpredictable nature of it was scary. For those of you who have family in other states states or or overseas, you may have had family members reach out to you asking if you're okay, because in New York City, COVID was seen, um, New York City was seen um, as unpredictable, right, because COVID, violence was out of control. And so there's always fear in the unpredictable. And ever so often, um, I see a flyer for a psychic, whether it be for card readings or or palm palm readings. Um, And psychics, or even shamans, may not be right in front of our eyes, but they certainly exist. And I think the reason why there's a place for that, and perhaps will be for as long as we're here on this earth, is because we don't know the future yet. Want to know the future so badly. Now, the coming of Christ for us as Christians is not one of the things that is unpredictable.
1: In fact, we are sure that Christ
0: will one day return and we will be in his presence forever. But there is still fear. The the unpredictable nature of his return is scary because we don't know exactly when he will be returning. And perhaps this was the same for the Jewish people in in the Bible. We see in our text that Jesus came to fulfill what was promised. And Jewish people knew this better than anyone that there would be a Savior, that there would be a Messiah, that there would be a great light that was coming. Now, I'm sure, just like us, for them, the uncritical nature of when he would first come was a little scary. But I think for a lot of them, their fear became real or developed. When Jesus actually dwelled among them, but he was not who they expected him to be. Now, I'm sure the Jewish people had expectations of Jesus when they knew of a savior coming. I'm sure they were probably expecting a knight like a king in shiny armor on a white stallion with like the sun on his back, right? Like someone like King David to come. And that he would come, defeating his enemies by the sword and ruling over his people. Now, of course, this is true. Jesus defeated sin, death, and now sitting at the right hand of the Father in all of his glory and all of his majesty. But how Jesus lived among his people, how he defeated sinners, and how he ruled among them was not what they initially expected. I want to read for us um, a portion of Isaiah chapter 9 kind of give us a picture of what perhaps the Jewish people were expecting. And the reason why I'm reading from chapter 9 of Isaiah is because the parts of our text come straight from there, and we actually read it in our call to worship, so it's going to sound familiar. I'm going to read for us verses 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And you will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. You will reign on Zabah's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and withholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As, As mentioned in our passage, we get this image of a glorious warrior coming to conquering the land and ruling people. And we see what, that Jesus actually co- accomplished what was foretold in a way that no one could have predicted.
1: Yes, in some ways Jesus
0: did as it was predicted. He came as a son. He came as a child. But even for some, they can't comprehend the idea of Jesus coming to take the place of a human, a lowly human. And, and it just didn't make sense. And almost everything that was foretold seemed to match the description of Jesus and most importantly the craziest thing happened Jesus died no one could have predicted that their savior would be crucified would be humiliated and ultimately die a sinner's death even disciples didn't understand but from the beginning it was destined that he would come that he would die that he would resurrect and in doing so, he would deliver a message—his message—and that this message would be for all of us. In our passage, it says that Jesus began to preach, "Repent, for the kingdom of God, heaven has come near." Now, these are the words that we also hear John the Baptist say in his ministry. But, but a scholar notes that when John the Baptist says these words, they're placed in the Old Testament context that highlights his function as the one who will come before the Messiah in his kingdom. But when Jesus says these same words, they are also linked with the Old Testament context, but insists that Jesus fulfills the promises of the light rising to shine on the Gentiles. Jesus came to fulfill his calling. He came to keep the promises that were set forth. And so, in doing so, he came to bring the saving message to his people. And the question is, what is this message intending to do? In our our passage, there's a mention of of darkness and light. It talks about people walking in darkness and those living in the land in the shadow of death. But in the midst of darkness, there's a mention of a light. It says that light has dawned. And there's this clear distinction where darkness symbolizes hopelessness evil and sin, whereas the light points us to something greater. It points us to hope. So ultimately, Jesus came to be the light, to rescue sinners, and to enter into the lives of the broken people. In chapter 9 of Isaiah, the Israelites are feeling the crushing weight of the Assyrian Empire. But it mentions more than just that. There's mention of a light, there's a mention of a hope. And here in our text, we see that hope being fulfilled. We see the light being, coming into this world. And this light and hope is only found in Jesus as he fulfills his calling, which was spread promise to us. The prophecy that was given through all this right throughout all the Testament, is, is coming to fruition through Jesus. Jesus' purpose who spring light to those dwelling in darkness, to those who are lost. Now, many of us are not going through the pressures of an empire trying to crush us, but as Christians, we go through other pressures. We go through hardships. We suffer. And we are unsure of the future that lies ahead. We worry about the darkness ahead, but I want to show you that there is light, light that has come we don't have to dwell, dwell. We don't have to dwell in the darkness. Yes, the future can be scary, and we don't know what will happen next. But we know, and more than anything, that the light has come. We don't have to live in fear, but in excitement, because Jesus has already come, and more than that, He's promised to come again. We and we can be confident that this message that Jesus came to fulfill was also meant for us. We see in our text. Jesus withdrawing to Galilee. And this is important because it's not just a place where Jesus began to preach, but also the same um, exact place where the, Jesus' disciples were called to go and make disciples of all nations. The mission of Jesus began in Galilee, but it was also in that same exact place where the mission was extended. And all of this is where message to not just across the place, but also time so that he could eventually reach us today. So Jesus has come to fulfill all that is promised. What is our response? After Jesus embraces his calling and starts preaching his message, he goes to the Sea of Galilee and calls out to four fishermen. And the scripture tells us that he calls us and says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says that at once they left their nets and followed him. And as many of you know, um, I have a son. His name just so happens to be Simon, right? And so when our son calls to us and tells us to come, right, we immediately go, or for the most part, we immediately go. And we, we, we tend to his needs. But what's interesting is when we tell our son to come, oftentimes he laughs. He refuses or he runs the other way. Um, now, I know he's a toddler, so he's kind of at that stage where that's normal. Um, but as I was reading um, our passage today, I was just trying to imagine these events taking place between the disciples and Jesus. And I was just so confused because my son doesn't even come to me when I call to him. And, and the way the scripture words it almost sounds like they're in some kind of trance, right? They just leave everything, follow him. But we have to consider that during this time, it wasn't uncommon for teachers or rabbis to call their students, to call their disciples, and for them to follow them. But for Andrew and Simon, perhaps this wasn't their first encounter with Jesus. In John chapter 1, verses 40-42, to 42, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said, but followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, Messiah, that is to Christ, when he brought him to Jesus. And even in Luke chapter 5, we perhaps get a more detailed account of what happened right before Jesus called them, a miracle that took place. But even more than all that, I think these four disciples recognized something else about Jesus that led them to follow. All that was said in the Old Testament, all that we, the verse that we also read from Isaiah chapter 9. They saw it being fulfilled in Jesus. They have seen the great light. They have seen the Messiah. That's what led them to follow after him. So when Jesus started to preach and bring his message to his people, there was a response. We see here in our text the four disciples gave up their lives to follow him. They walked away from what they're doing. They gave up their nets and they followed him. And, be, and being a fisherman was back then was a staple job. So it wasn't, they weren't leaving their jobs just because it didn't pay them. And more than that, they left behind their families. They left behind their father who was in the boat with them. They left behind their family business. And for them, during that time, that could have easily brought dishonor. So not only did they give up their jobs and family, but they gave up their reputation. And what's also important here is that, that they were decisive in their decision to follow. In, in Matthew 19, after Jesus is talking to the rich young man, Peter says to Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. It, it wasn't just these four disciples who gave up their lives to follow Christ. It was all of his disciples, all of his followers. They no longer identified as as fishermen, but Jesus' followers will be fishers. They no longer simply identified with their biological family, but with a heavenly family. Jesus in bringing forth his message. He brings the message to his people. He calls them to himself. He says, come, follow me. And for some of us, uh, this is rather encouraging that the light that has come into the world and the messages that has come into the world is also meant for us.
1: That Jesus invites us to
0: his family in a much greater, much deeper family. And for, for some of us, this is scary because, we know it's because it's something that we don't want to do. Uh, I had a, a friend in college, uh, and he would often say that he, would, he doesn't want to fully and the reason was that he was scared to give up parts of his life. And I think this fear comes from, because we know exactly how much it would cost us if we were to follow him. And parts of life we would have to give up. And what would happen as a result of following him. It's kind of like when you're playing poker. Just with your friends, right? Just with your friends. And there's always one person. It's, and usually it's only happening with you. There's always that one person who has that look in their eyes during the middle of the game, right? Uh, they put all their chips in the middle and say, I'm going in." Um, and there's a lot that you feel at that moment. For, for everyone at that table, the person right in and all those who are sitting and playing with them, there's excitement, there's suspense. More than that, there's even some fear. This fear of what's going to happen next. And so for many of us, it's a gamble when we think of committing ourselves to Christ. We, we do the math in our head, we think, okay, how much do I have to give up? and what, How much do I get in return? But if we take a moment and consider that statement and consider the Jewish leaders, right, those who went up against Jesus, they did exactly that. And because of that, they had the most fear. We read in the New Testament countless times when the Jewish leaders encountered Jesus and how much they hated him to the point where they got him killed. But their hate was rooted in how much they had to lose because they were the ones who had to give up the most. I think the last portion of our text shows us how much more, when we respond to Christ and his call to us, how much more we have to gain in him and why we shouldn't be worried about the future ahead. After... Jesus gathers some of his disciples. He continues his ministry in Galilee. It says he went out through Galilee teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among his people. Jesus was preaching that there is more to come, that because he has come, there's hope. We don't have to live in the darkness. Jesus was going around preaching and teaching the same things over and over again. His message never changed. It's like when we come to church every Sunday, we hear the same core message week in, week out. That there is ultimate good news in Him, and even with the illnesses He came across, I'm sure He healed the same diseases over and over again. But all of this the preaching and the teaching. Healing reveals to us a few things. One, that the work we are called to do provides us with a purpose. Yes, the work will be repetitive. It won't be easy, just like it was for Jesus and his disciples in their ministry and all of their continuous preaching and teaching and healing. But it shows, it shows us that our walk is not for nothing. It also gives us a glimpse of what it looked look like in the future kingdom within it Jesus goes around healing people and saying that there's something much more greater than what is in front of us what is on earth that we will be filled with his presence and we will be filled with everlasting joy and love and that we will be healed that we will have blessings beyond our imagination and this is the future set out for us Going back to Matthew 19, after Peter tells Jesus that disciples have given up everything, Peter asks this to Jesus, What then will there be for us? And Jesus responds, And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. For those who are struggling with the faith, unsure where you stand, or maybe you're just searching, our passage shows us that Christ has already come, and the promise has been fulfilled, and of course, we can't tell when Jesus will return, but it's one of the things that we can predict, because he's fully promised to us, just like it's been promised when He first came. To us, a child is born, to us, the son is given. He is the great light and longing and searching for. Him. And because of who he is, he invites us into his family, he calls us his sons and daughters, and all the more in Christ, there's healing and there's eternal blessing. When we, if we were to look at the rest of Isaiah chapter 9, which we won't do due to time, but it speaks to not just to Israelites, but it also looks ahead to what it looked like for those who do not know him, and those who reject him. My son, like I said, is at a stage in life where he is very active. So one day, um, he's on top of the couch and he's jumping up and down on, top of the, on the edge of the couch. Of course, you know, we're telling him to get off. But the next thing you know it, um, he flips and lands on his back. Um, and even after that, as many of you guess he still goes on top of the couch and jumps up and down. But I think this is kind of like all of us. Many of us know the message of Christ and all that has been promised to us, all of the blessings, but we still forget. And we've even conditioned ourselves with less. Now, I'm not saying that we're, we're striving for perfection, right? But there is a response that we're called to. Francis Chan says this, We've conditioned ourselves to hear messages without responding. Sermons have become Christian entertainment. We go to church to hear a well-developed sermon and a convicting thought. We've trained ourselves to believe that if we're convicted, our job is done. If you're just hearing the Word, you not actually doing some, something with it. You're just yourself. The, the Christian life is more than just an experience or something that we do. It looks more like what we see disciples do when Jesus called them. To leave the world behind, to live as he has called us to, to share the gospel by living a faithfully present life. We don't know the future. We cannot predict the hardships and sufferings that will come our way. But as Christians, we know that there is more to life than what is in front of us. And for those... You've already answered his call. I want us to just take a moment and just remember that moment when Christ first called you and you've answered his call. And think about all that you were thinking, feeling at that moment. Maybe you didn't even have any thoughts and you were just, just feeling many different things. Sure, you weren't worried about the future, but you were just soaking this love grace for you and you are just so assured of his blessing for you.
1: Be reminded of
0: that moment when you first answered his call and be encouraged as you run this race. And for those who are still searching, who are still asking, that same love, that same grace and all of the blessings that has been promised is available for you. Let's pray. Lord, you have come into the world and you have brought the news to us. And Lord, that there is more to life than what is in front of us. And Lord, that you have promised much greater joy, much greater peace, and a hope that we cannot imagine. So Lord, as you've called us, help us to respond faithfully to that news. Help us to run this race knowing that you you will come again. Lord, as, as we go through our weeks, Lord, help us to seek you. Help us to respond daily for the love that you've shown us. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen.